This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey everybody, welcome to tonight's Ingles On The Beat. This is Mike Griffith and a really special show for you tonight. Looking forward to bringing JT Daniels your way. The elusive JT Daniels will join us. We're going to talk about JT's career, JT's future, and flashback to some great JT Daniels, Georgia memories. Looking forward to that. First, though, want to tell you about the guys that I'm down here in Mobile to cover. We got six Georgia Bulldogs here. Little bit of a surprise. Cedric Van Pran not on the roster. Not uncommon, though, for players to pull out. They have agents advising them a lot of times. They choose to focus uh, on their 40 times, or perhaps they look at the draft list and they say, hey, I like where I'm positioned. Maybe you don't want to match up with that Oregon center that's here and, and, and look side to side. There's there's always a strategy that goes in behind it, but there are six Georgia players that are here, and I can't wait to see these guys. And I'll start at the top of the list. The guy that I think is going to absolutely blow it up this week is Lad McConkey. I think Lad McConkey is explosive. I think he's dynamic. I, I've said this before. I, I selfishly, I wanted him to come back and, and compete for Heisman at Georgia. I think Lad is that guy. I think when I look at the plays that he makes, and I know the lasting memory will be Lad weaving his way through the Florida State defense on that incredible touchdown. Great lasting memory for him. I know a lot of people think if Lad was healthy, Georgia probably beats Alabama. I'm on board with that. I think Georgia was dynamic. It was right after Kirby said, nobody can replace Brock Bowers. And nobody can, but Ladd tried. He got about 154 yards in the first game that, that Brock didn't play. So too bad that those two guys couldn't be healthy. But we know that's the way it goes, right? One too long ago, Alabama was missing a couple receivers. And this, this is football, guys. And, and players make plays and make the difference. And no matter how good the quarterback is, you got to have your targets out there. It makes all the difference in the world. But Lad is healthy. Talk to his dad today. He is 100. He is looking forward to tearing it up. They're going to start tomorrow. Uh, you can watch this on the NFL Network between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. On the NFL Network, you'll see that South team. I guess they call it the, the American team. Now, I, I don't know if North and South became politically incorrect or something, but they no longer call it North and South. They call it National American, but it is pretty much split up. You'll see the SEC guys together. This SEC team is loaded. Now, I'm going to be honest. I, I like the quarterbacks on the other team better. Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., and Sam Hartman. I mean, that, those are future NFL starters in my book. Now, now I don't want to sell Spencer Rattler short, short because I like this cat. He talks trash. He's athletic as can be. And I think he's grown up a lot uh, since high school. So I'll be watching Rattler. I think he's talented. And, and Joel Milton, here's a guy that's, and you talk about a cannon for an arm. Don't be surprised if Milton grows into an NFL starter. There are quarterback coaches out there that can coach these guys up. So some cannon arm guys, I think the Tulane quarterback also on there. Some competition in the backfield. For Dejon Edwards, so when Kendall Milton said thanks but no thanks, again, Kendall, one of these guys, we knew he had a healthy back half of the season, probably didn't want to roll the dice and say, you know what, I'm good, Orange Bowl MVP performance, let me go work on my 40. They picked up the phone and they called Dejon Edwards. And this was great news for Dejon because Dejon has a chance to really make some waves down here. He's going to be matched up. In the same backfield with that Corey Schrader kid, that Missouri that Missouri running back. Remember the guy that led the SEC in rushing? They're going to be apples to apples, right? Ray Davis, the guy that went for over 200 on Florida, he's going to be in the backfield. So Dejon Edwards 
going to have a chance to go side by side against these guys in drill work with all the NFL coaches, scouts, general managers. They're watching. They're watching these guys in their pass protection drill. They're watching these guys when they run routes. They're seeing who can pick up these schemes. How quickly can they integrate into these NFL offenses? Big advantage for Georgia. Very complex NFL scheme run at Georgia. Georgia guys are going to know what they're doing. It's going to put them a half a step ahead of most of these guys who are not familiar with these NFL concepts that Kirby Smart and his staff teach. That's something we're going to ask JT Daniels about. Obviously, JT has played for different staffs. It'll be interesting to see what he has to say about Georgia football. Tyke Smith and Javon Bullard, they can't wait to get out there. These are two DBs right now, middle-round guys that are looking to add some value. Now, the reality of it is neither one of them is going to get any taller and neither one of them is going to run any faster than they already have. So they need to play make. They need to show that good football character that has all these NFL teams saying, we know what we're going to get when we get a Georgia guy. You're going to get a guy who does not rest on complacency. And I wrote a couple stories on dognation.com today. Some very good points from Jim Nagy. I want to go over two of them real quick. One of them, this is the opt-in team, not the opt-out team. And what does that mean? Georgia played the quote-unquote meaningless game, meaningless to everybody else. Don't tell the Georgia guys that it wasn't meaningful. They wanted to finish together. In a day and age when a lot of guys are opting out, saying thanks but no thanks, it's not a playoff, I'm a, Georgia finished across the line together. Even Brock Bowers and Amari Smith couldn't play, they were injured, still showed up. That sign of unity is really something to behold. Remember, it's, oh, we got to fix this. Well, here's how you fix it. It's called accountability. It's called camaraderie. It's called team chemistry. And that's how Kirby Smart fixes it. You can't make guys do what they don't want to do. But the dogs wanted to finish together. Yeah, they didn't three-peat. It upset them to lose by three. But you know what? They were able to salvage that memory of one final time together playing against Florida State. And boy, did they make Florida State pay for opting out. Some of those Florida State opt-outs are here. I think they're going to play in the Senior Bowl. No rumors yet about Florida State players opting out of the Senior Bowl. Bad joke that's going to go around this week. Um, the other thing that Nagy pointed out, guys that opt in, guys that finish, guys that compete, when the NFL teams are evaluating these players, they're not just looking at the draft. They're filing it away, and they're making notes for the second contract. They want to know who loves football, who wants to compete. It all goes together. This draft evaluation process is very deep. And these guys, they're, they're about to invest millions of dollars into these players. They don't miss anything. So they're watching them closely. They're evaluating. They want to see the football character. They want to see the character. They want to know they're going to get quality. I'll tell you what, every time that I go to Ingalls, I know I'm going to get quality. Quality goods, quality service, um, consistency, uh, uh, everything that we can count on. I want to take the short break right now. I want to recognize our sponsor, Ingalls, when we come back. I'm going to reintroduce JT Daniels, and we're going to talk to JT about some college football and his future. Did you know that Ingalls sells more organics than any other store, or that they run their own dairy, or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else, or that they have energy smart stores, or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department, or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingalls, low prices, love the savings. Welcome back to the program. Mike Griffith here and uh, flew into Pensacola Airport today. 
And uh, lo and behold, there was JT Daniels. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. JT Daniels is supposed to be at the Shrine game this week and coming to the Senior Bowl later this week. Well, apparently JT couldn't wait to get here. JT, it was good bumping into you at the Pensacola Airport. How you doing, man? Oh, uh, good. Happy to be here. Um, excited to see, uh, you know, a lot of the guys I used to play with. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's an exciting time in their career, obviously. They're auditioning for the NFL. Your career took a little bit of a twist. I'll, I'll let you catch everybody up. Folks know you left Georgia. We're going to reflect on that in a minute. West Virginia, on to Rice. I think Rice had their first uh, six-win season in 10 years. One of the uh, publications voted you the team MVP. Things were flying right along. A little bit of a detour, though. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll definitely enjoy this year. If anyone watched, catches any of the Senior Bowl, you'll get to see uh, one of the best receivers you'll see in a while, Luke McCaffrey. Um, you know, one of my teammates over the last year. Uh, but yeah, man, wouldn't have any reservations for how it finished up or, um, you know, how it went down. Right. JT, now looking forward to, I think, a coaching career. Last time I talked to you, this was something you were going to be interested in. I, I go back to interviewing your high school coach, Bruce Rollinson, uh, back there at Modern Day, that the, the high school superpower. Man, I learned a lot on that trip. Um, and he was talking about as a sixth grader, you getting up and diagramming all these plays and, and your coordinator money telling him, hey, you got to catch this kid. Um, where, where does all this uh, this goodwill hunting of football come from? I mean, were you always just a, a football guru or was this something that um, you just had a passion for early in life? Yeah, I, I guess I just always did. Um, I started playing quarterback when I was nine. And then, I, I mean, I was the, the most fortunate aspect to to my career was running into Dave Money, offensive coordinator at Modern Day at the time, um, and uh, learning football at such a young age and just genuinely enjoying it. Um, you know, it's hard to get a fourth, fifth, sixth grader to pay attention, but I was there, you know, multiple hours a week. It was just fun. Uh, and I've always just had a, a like a, a genuine interest in the schematic aspect of the game. Yeah, and now it looks like you're going to be teaching that, looking to teach that, looking to show others um, a lot that, you know, people have gained from. I know that, you know, recently we were talking to Carson back at the Orange Bowl, and he said a lot of the things that he does, he picked up in some of those quarterback meetings from you uh, at Georgia. I know uh, when Kirby Smart was asked about the the quarterbacks and how they influenced the room, Kirby, Kirby Smart's quote was, uh, let's see here, JT, one of the smartest guys, oh, no, excuse me, that was a Carson Beck quote. Uh, yeah, Carson Beck said, JT, one of the smartest guys I've ever been around, maybe the smartest. Uh, a lot of the stuff I do now, the way that I read different plays, see coverages, really what he taught me. Um, you know, when we think about quarterback rooms, and, and I go back to the room you were in with Jamie Newman and Stetson Bennett and Carson, uh, Dwan Mathis, you, you typically think that this there's this cutthroat competition, but, you know, reflecting back on your time here, that, that wasn't the way you approached it. Yeah, and it never has been. Um, I've been fortunate to always have good quarterback rooms. You typically see it about the same that I do. Uh, I, I think guys just understand only one can play, and whoever it is is whoever coach thinks is uh, best to best for the team to win. Um, and it's just the nature of the position that uh, that you know going into it. Um, all right, so like the most important part is like, while I'm on the team, the number one mission is the team winning, whether I'm the guy playing or I'm not. Uh, and you know, it was always the case where I was that way. Uh, and it was always uh, also the case that Stetson was that way um, in the same ways that I was very interactive and helpful for Stetson. He was the same way. Um, if you follow that 2020, he was the guy. Then I was the guy. 2021, I started. I was hurt. He started. I started. I was hurt. He started and played all the way out. 
um, you know, we were always that way together. And then Carson was always uh, inquisitive with both of us. Um, and I'm sure that played a, played a big role in, uh, you know, helping him be ready. Yeah, I was going to ask you when, you, when you see Carson back now, and I know you haven't seen a ton of Georgia, but I do know you still – you are a Georgia graduate. You did get oh, yeah. your, your degree from Georgia before you left. I know that was something you were really proud of. What do you see in Carson? What makes him so effective, JT? Um, he's got one thing that I, that I never had. He's a, he's a little more athletic than I am, but he has the, he has the just athletic enough. And uh, if you watch the Bama game, you saw it two or three times. You saw it all throughout the year with him. Um, he's, he's obviously elite and efficient in the pocket, uh, and that was that was never going to be a question with him. But what he has is he has two or three third downs a game that he picks up on the ground. Um, you know, when you get drop eight or you get two man without a spy. Um, Carson, I, was, I saw him take off for third and six, third and eight, third and nine. Um, and you get two third downs like that, that can be a 14-point difference that wins and loses games. Uh, and, and that's something that he has um, that takes him a step above the standard pocket guy. Yeah, it's exciting. I think he's going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate uh, this next season. Of course, you, you came out of SEC Media's uh, days in 2021 and SE, uh, Heisman, can, all the all the peripheral stuff. Um, one of the things you and Carson still have in common is you were both coached by Todd Munkin. And I guess I want to rewind now because I uh, I was on one of my team calls the other day and I said, hey, I'm going to have JT on. You know, what What would you guys want to know? What, what would be the question that you would want to ask JT Daniels? And someone said, well, how does he go – from USC to Georgia. And I said, well, the portal, they said, yeah, but, but what does that mean? So everybody wants to know how does the portal work and how did you end up at Georgia of all places? How did that go down? Uh, I mean, the, the portal itself is a pretty simple process. You sign your name on a paper um, for getting in it. Uh, every decision I always had uh, in the portal was directly involved heavily with the head coach um, where it was a mutually agreed upon decision that made the most sense for both. Uh, or made the most sense for both. Um, I want to say Coach Smart was my first text that I got in the portal, and I'm not going to say I made my decision that day, but I, I had a pretty damn good idea um, of where I wanted to go, especially the more and more that I talked with Monk um, and I got to watch uh, him show how he called games at Tampa, um, how he runs an offense, and it was you know right at my wheelhouse. What is it about Todd Munkin? You know, I mean, I looked at Lamar Jackson's numbers and, you know, the, the playoff game aside, there was some mistakes made and some turnovers. I think they had three turnovers, but Lamar, you know, he goes to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson has a career year. I remember you telling us once at Georgia that there's always an answer. And and we'd always heard there's no such thing as a perfect offense, but you made it sound like Munkin's offense was about as close to perfect as it gets. Yeah, um, I think he works with you heavily as a quarterback, and that's not always the case with offensive coordinators um, and with play callers and just in general great minds in whatever industry it may be. Um, a lot of them will you know, view themselves or understand that you know they are very intelligent, they are smart, and want things to be done their way. Um, I think Monk always understood that if the, if the quarterback can't – the quarterback doesn't feel comfortable running it, it's not worth calling it. Um so throughout like uh, throughout all of my time with Monk, I was heavily involved with what what got called. And it was the same way with Setson, same way with Carson. I bet it's the same thing wherever he goes. Because um, there, there's obviously you can speak for as long as you want about how intelligent the guy is um, and how well he understands the game. But the ability to understand exactly how to use Brock Bowers, to understand exactly how to get, you know, what does Carson want to call this week? Or what does JT or what does Stetson want to call this week? Uh, I think that takes you a step ahead. 
Yeah, I found those Kirby Smart. And Kirby talked about this recently at the Orange Bowl, JT. It was really interesting. I'm thinking, JT's been gone two years. He's still talking about JT. But but he was asked about Carson's development, and he said people keep forgetting uh, that Carson was here with JT Daniels. So he sat in meetings with JT and Monk. When they go back and forth about what the read is, what they're looking at, and how we're doing it. So I guess this plays into what you're saying. You would have discussions with Todd Munkin about how how best to do this and and how things would go. Man, that's uh that's incredible interaction. You know, you mentioned a name a second ago. I want to ask you about Brock Bowers. Uh, you got to play with Brock. I think you um, I think your start of 2021 uh, with Brock Bowers, the Clemson game. I think he was instrumental in that game. Uh, that was a game. And, and I'm going to ask you about the injury in a second, because people have always asked me uh, what was the injury at the beginning of 21. But but tell me about Brock Bowers. You were the you were the team leader. You were the guy. And this freshman from California comes in. What did you see and how soon did you know that Brock Bowers might be something special at Georgia? Yeah, uh, I was heavily involved on I want to say it was his official or his unofficial. Um, and after that, I watched him from playing high school. He was a good bit skinnier. Um, and I'm pretty sure COVID took a pretty big hit uh, on his senior year. Um, so he, lo- he looked kind of wide receiver-ish. Um, but in, like the first week he was here, he ran 22 miles an hour on the GPS. So you kind of knew he was going to play. <laughs> yeah, you kind of knew he was going to play. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember um, Monk talking about it in one of the early spring ball meetings. It was like, like Brock's just too good not to play right now. And you never, especially at a place like Georgia, you really don't want true freshmen to, to be the one playing, um, but there are exceptions to every rule, uh, and he's the definition of that. And, yeah, his first game at Clemson, I want to say he was our leading receiver. Um, but you, you knew right away that uh, he had a rare – he had a rare uh, combination of ath- uh, athleticism and, ex- uh, like, explosiveness um, with also really elite ball skills that is hard to get from a tight end body. Yeah, our, our producer was asking in the pregame, and, and, and forgive the Georgia fans, but they're Georgia fans, and they they love the stories. And the George Pickens, the George Pickens that we see on television now, the George Pickens that we saw have, I don't know, almost 160 yards in the first half against Baylor, that's probably one of the things you looked at when you were considering Georgia was that number one. Uh, tell me about George Pickens, because it looked like you would throw him the ball sometimes, even when he wasn't open. Yeah, George is uh, George is a character, the person, really funny guy, just on it, like a really like cool, genuine dude. Um, very fun to be around. Uh, yeah, I think George, George George liked me right from the start. Um, and uh, as soon as I got there in like the summer seven on sevens, um, when you do one on one seven on seven, you know, no pads, just shirts and shorts. He catches like he like will only catch with one hand sometimes. Catch everything doesn't matter if he's guarded or not. Uh, and he knew from that point, I pretty much told him, like, uh, I, I don't really care if you're open. As long as you don't get it, don't let it get picked, the ball is probably going to go to you. Um, and it did. I, whenever I played with healthy George, the, he had a lot of targets, caught probably 80 plus percent of them. But one time it got picked, I got smoked against Cincinnati. Ball was like five yards inside and he forced a fumble on it. So he he, he held up his, his side of the bar, bargain. Ball is going to keep finding him. Yeah, I made well. And, you know, JT, your first start, uh, believe it or not, this surprised you. It surprised me, too. That was the last 400-yard game against Mississippi State. You wore the black uniforms. It was a it was a tough time for Georgia. You know, there had been some injuries the game before. Stetson had hurt his shoulder. 
Um, I know your knee wasn't quite right yet. That was one of the one of the issues with COVID is your knee recovery, maybe not as fast as it would have been had there not been COVID and a, a, maybe a cleaner rehabilitation process. But you went out there, uh, threw for 401 on a night. Georgia carried 23 times for eight yards. Um, and, and you won the last, I think, four games of, of the season. What was that like when you finally got to play at Georgia after spending most of the year on the scout team? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously that was really fun. Um, it, it just it felt great to play. That was the first time playing for me in 14, 15 months, um, going from starting every single game every year for you know the first you know however many years of my career had been up to there. Um, so there's definitely an adjustment of you know going from being the one as a true freshman to being the scout team guy, and then you know later in the year. Like I just got kind of thrown into it. I went, you know, straight from scout team to the starter within a week. Uh, I was pretty lucky. We had, I think, Missouri was the game I was supposed was the first game I was supposed to start. It got postponed for COVID, so I had one week of practice with like the ones again. Um, but yeah, that whole experience was phenomenal, and I think gave us a lot of momentum going into 2021. It really did. It was a. It, it kept the top ten streak going. That win over Mississippi State was the first win of the current twenty-seven game SEC regular season win streak. They haven't lost a regular season uh, game since then. Probably doesn't surprise you. You mentioned being on the scout team. There's a couple guys here that I know you're here to see as well that were scout team teammates of yours, uh, Lad McConkey and Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint. When you would play the ones, these were some pretty talented young guys. Tell me what. What we can expect to see from Ladd and, and uh, Marcus Rosemead, Jack Saint moving forward as they go into the NFL? Yeah, both hyper elite ball skills. Marcus was very George-esque in his ball skill ability. It was really it's rare to see ball skills anywhere near George. Um, and Marcus ain't too far off. Um, in, in the entire time that I played with both of them, I don't think any of them ever had an MA or missed assignment, ran the wrong route. Um, super rare, especially if you're playing in a Georgia, more NFL-style offense. Um, they're both do everything right, plenty athletic enough, hyper-elite ball skills, um, and just have a great feel for the game. And that matters so much for a quarterback. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and, and the momentum was there, right? We saw it carry into the spring game, uh, into the offseason. You, you took some guys out to – or some guys showed up in California – uh, pretty uh, unique uh, training opportunity out on the West Coast for some some Georgia players. Um, but then the fall came, JT, and and you disclosed something to me. I guess I wasn't, I didn't really know, but you know the injuries, and and there was such a cloud over it, and it, it and understandably, right? I mean, injuries are strategic for coaches, and I didn't know how injured you were for Clemson until you until I noticed you were wearing a flak jacket. So I didn't really understand that. But for the folks that that don't and, and I'm one of them that aren't clear like how did this injury when did it start and and what was the recurrence issues that ultimately forced you to the sideline in the middle of 2021 uh, I had a lateral oblique in the left side and then a lat um, grade two in the right side um, lateral started sometime in summer took a few weeks off was feeling really good through fall camp wasn't feeling good at Clemson uh, so I couldn't play against UAB then I was back, played South Carolina, then Vandy, and then my right lat was it was pretty bad for a little while after that. Yeah, I saw it was swollen and brief. Thirty, I think you left the Vandy game uh, with thirty-five to zero lead right after the first quarter. Yeah, Georgia was getting a little payback for the Vandy no shows in twenty twenty. Kirby wasn't uh, 
holding anything back that day. Neither were you. I think uh, Georgia ended up winning 62 to zero. But for the people that know, don't know, and I, I saw a picture of, of the bruising, and that was a mechanic. You, you thought that was from a mechanic? Yeah, that would be more mechanical. Well, once we fix mechanics, um, yeah, there's, there's so much, there's a lot more that goes into everything, um, obviously. Uh, but there was definitely mechanical deficiency that I would say was the primary contributor. Because once those were fixed, I could throw 300 times a day and never have a single issue again. Right. And, and you did. And so Stet comes in, Stet gets rolling, but I'm not, you know, but you're, you're not on the sideline moping. You're, you're not standoff. You're like still in the middle of this. It looks like you're interacting with him the whole time. And I know that that strikes some people is different. Cause again, we think about competitions at positions and yet some of the some of the pictures from the wins, you know, you're celebrating harder than anybody. Talk about that dynamic. And, I, you know, it even looked like you and Stetson had your own language going out there together the way you work together. Yeah, we did. Um, we would, you know, there, there were plenty of times we communicated maybe after every single play. We had our own signals for, you know, each coverage and whatnot. So he would check in. Um, we check and make sure he's seen it well. It's a lot easier for me to see it on the or whoever for whoever to see it on the sideline than it is when, especially when you're Stets, you know, five eleven, I'm six foot. Uh, we can't see a thing when you're when you're in the game. Your left tackle is you know Mims six seven, right tackle is Warren six six. They got helmets that adds three inches. Um, so it's great to have someone you can communicate with on the sideline. Uh, and it was the same thing when I was in. He offered to do the same thing always. Um, so we did always communicate that way. And it's a common thing. I don't know if it's common in other quarterback rooms. It was never common in any quarterback room I was in. Um, and it's definitely never like receivers. I, receivers are always super excited for their guys. Like Marcus was George's biggest hype man when he was a freshman. Um, and it was, it was just always the same thing for us. And it's, you know, it's something special that definitely happens at Georgia more than most places you'll see um, when you see how like hyperactive Georgia's sideline is. Um, and you love to see that uh, when a team has a like a super you know excited sideline, um, but what, like especially when you're that good, like you just the win the win itself was is the goal whether you're the one playing or not. Um, and I think that's that's something Coach Smart hammers all the time, uh, and something that actually is like believed and bought into. Um, you know, it, it wasn't just a quarterback position where there was a next man up thing that happened that year. There was a lot of positions in which that happened, and you never heard one story of a guy transferring midway through the season or some, you know, locker room promotion over anything like that. Guys just wanted to win. Yeah. And, and obviously, obviously they have uh, at a record pace, the back-to-back titles, uh, the 20 game, 29 game win streak, a, a streak now of seven straight top 10 finishes of, of which you were a part of a, a streak of seven straight bowl games. I mean, uh, Cincinnati hedge on the ropes, man. I thought you were, I thought you were dead. Uh, but you guys came from 21, 10 down against an undefeated Cincinnati. Everybody making a big deal of Florida state, not getting in the playoff undefeated. Let me tell you, Luke Fickle and the Bearcats, uh, they, they were trying to prove something, uh, that, that day as well. I want to flash back to something you just said. You don't see it at Georgia and you've been other places. You've been at USC under Clay Helton. You've been at Georgia, obviously you went to West Virginia, uh, and you finished uh, with a, a Rice program that's that's got good momentum. Um, all those programs have great attributes, I'm sure. Other than that, that camaraderie, and I, I'm sure it's everywhere. But what are some other things that that set Georgia apart from some of those other programs, JT? The um, it's tough to compare it to the the ones I've been. Um, once you when you spend all day at one singular program. 
um, you kind of forget every everything else. Like you're, I'm, I'm there 13 hours a day throughout the, you know, throughout the whole season. Um, and then obviously Friday, Saturday, you travel. Um, so that's, you know, 30 hours straight that you're with the team. Um, so it's tough to compare uh, necessarily to each individual school. But in general, where Georgia separates um, depth and recruiting, obviously, that, you know, that doesn't even have to go stated. Uh, I think the day-to-day operations of what you have available at Georgia and how efficient time is used and ran, um, you, you don't get many guys that get burnt out. Um, you get a lot of guys that are fresh and ready for practice. Um, and you get a lot of guys that just want to be there throughout the day. And that's the biggest thing when you have, uh, you know, morning stuff, school, afternoon, and you, you have continual 13, 14, 15 hour days for six months straight. Like you need guys that want to do that. Um, and there's, there's a lot of want to at Georgia. Yeah. Kirby's pretty careful about the guys that he brings in. And again, I was talking about the way they opted in this year. You didn't have anybody opt out. Um, that was a team that was making a statement. You know, I, I had a thought, you know, when you were talking about working with Stat, I know you were out, I don't know, four or five games before you were cleared to come back. And like you said, they were they were rolling. They weren't going to make a change at that point. Um, when you were working with him and still playing a role in the offense, being a good teammate, had you already thought of coaching before? Did you surprise yourself with how much you enjoyed that part of the process? Is you know, Because now as I look at, you know, the JT Daniels stories, it continues to unfold with this turn towards coaching. I wonder if that if that'll be kind of a moment you look back on and go, you know, that's when I knew how much I really loved it or that I could that I could really be on the sideline and get as much out of it, even if I wasn't the one throwing it 45, 50 yards downfield. Um, yeah, I kind of always knew I was going to go into coaching at some point. I didn't think I would hit a medical retirement and start now. Um, but I, I, I kind of always do that. Um, and even at USC, when I went down with the ACL, I was heavily involved with Keaton um georgia is the same thing west virginia it's always been the same thing um even this year uh gave when west virginia played houston after we played houston i sent my whole week of film uh or my whole game prep notes um to gary garrett green the quarterback at west virginia uh that's always been something evan jordan wanted to be a part of yeah and obviously it's something you're really good at you know for kirby to go out of his way um and that's another thing maybe you can you know, provide some insight into Coach Smart. Uh, you know, Kirby, we see the locker room speeches. They they make everybody want to run through a wall, seemingly. We hear him on the loudspeaker. He loves to rib the different guys. Uh, we know how tough he can be on the sideline. We, we see all these faces of Kirby Smart. And, um, and I wondered, you know, what is it like for the quarterback? How does Kirby go from being the head coach to, to be in some eyes and ears and maybe uh, an occasional voice with the quarterbacks. How, do, how does he get involved and help this team win in terms of offense and quarterbacks? Um, I, I think he treats, he, he, he knows how to work with each one individually. The way he worked with me would have been different than he worked with Stett, uh, probably different than he works with Carson. The microphone thing is really funny. If you got yelled at at practice, one of your friends uh, that's not on the team would text you like, oh, what'd you do? Because um, they can hear it from about two streets over. Um, did you ever get did JT? Uh, yeah. Did you ever get yelled at? Did he ever come down on I, you? I did on. I definitely did when I was scout team. They got a lot less. Like you have a lot less patience for scout team. And um, when you're the scout team quarterback, like you're not trained to throw picks, but you got to throw. You got to throw it. You know somewhere when you're the scout team guy, you can't like take a sack or throw it away. But like DBs need reps at ball skills. Um, so like your instinct, maybe make a smart decision and throw it away. Oh, it doesn't make the head coach happy. 
um, when, when you're the scout team guy, you're there to give a look. Uh, so um, that happened probably once or twice. Um, but in general, like when I was the guy, no, he was very, he was very like understanding, um, like uh, on my level of very neutral with me. And I think he just, like he, he knows how each guy operates. Like Stet maybe needs to be fired up a little more sometimes. Um, me, he, he was just never, never like that with me. Him and I were always very like, uh, um, you know, like calm and rational with each other all the time. Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me think about Nick Saban and, and one of your buddies, Bryce Young, and how different Saban was with Bryce Young than some of the other quarterbacks. Good coaches have a way of knowing how to motivate uh, all these different players. One of the things that I wondered about, and, and the, the portal is what it is, right? And we're now seeing how mutually beneficial it can be for other players. Like you said, um, I was somewhat surprised. I mean, I had Clay Helton on here once to talk about you and he was just glowing. And you told me Clay actually said, oh, my gosh, go play for Kirby Smart. He loved Kirby Smart. Um, and now we're seeing a, more of a proliferation of portal players. But I wondered, what was that conversation like when you go in Kirby's office and say, hey, coach, I'm going to graduate from here, but I'm I'm not going to stick around? Um, yeah, we, we, we always had a really good relationship from the first time he called me. Um, he's, I know he's been following me. We still keep in touch. Um, so it was just like uh, it would just be like you're talking to you know really anybody else like you do when you just have a close personal relationship, uh, and that's why I say it was always a mutual decision um, between player and coach. It's not like you necessarily like I never want to leave a place I'm at, and you know a head coach doesn't like recruit you to think you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes just just with the way things work out, like yeah, it makes sense, um, understandable, and that was uh, that was you know a good amount of that conversation, and we, you know we always just had a had a relationship where we could just like you know talk and hang out. Yeah. And and at the time, I think, you know, like you said, Stet was rolling. It was pretty clear he was going to, you know, maintain that job and it carried into 2022. And, and, uh, you know, they were able to win another championship. I know like I said you and him are, are still friends to this day. Um, and that, that camaraderie is, it's, um, you don't always see it, JT. It's unique. I think it says a lot about you and Stetson and 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 Georgia and uh, still a Georgia fan. I know your parents are even planning on coming to a Georgia game. I mean, I guess once you get bit by this place, uh, people really seem to like it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll always be around. I'm, good. you know, I was a dog till I die. Um, unless I was playing against them, I would have rooted for them. Yeah, no doubt. So, so now you're in fact you're you're here in Mobile and you are rooting for him. Uh, Luke McCaffrey is. Oh, mentioned. absolutely. Yeah. Your, your receiver, uh, Christian McCaffrey's younger brother is here representing Rice. A lot of these Georgia guys, uh, you're going to be soaking in, uh, I guess, the process here and and checking this out. What are some of the things you're looking forward to seeing when you get out there tomorrow uh, down there? I guess it's called Hancock-Whitney Stadium where all these practices are going to take place. Yeah, it'll just be fun to see everyone in general. Um, when Z-Log was at the Zion Logue was at the Shrine Bowl. He was the locker across from me right when I got to Georgia. Um, so it was really cool to see him. Um, I'm sure it'll be the same thing tomorrow. Uh, you know, I'll be with my last head coach at Rice, Coach Bloomgreen, an offensive coordinator. Um, they'll be there to watch Luke. Um, but just to, you know, be around the guys, you know, meet people uh, and, and watch good football. Yeah, you know, so so many years, so many people supported you as you, you know, walked through, you know, went on your journey through modern day as a national player of the year, uh, I guess three years, and then you – you actually left high school an entire year early as opposed to graduating early. You, you had all the, all the great momentum. And even now, so now it's, it's kind of turned around. Now you're the support figure. You're looking to be the coach. Uh, 
Um, and, and you work with Jordan Palmer still. He's obviously one of the most elite quarterback coaches in the country. Um, what are some of the directions, ideas, things that you might have moving forward? Um, I, I'm just trying to get, you know, got to get in the building somewhere. Um, openings in the industry aren't always, you know, they're, they're not plentiful. Um, that's for sure. You know, if there's an opening in Athens, I'd be there tomorrow. Um, you just got to, you know, however you can get in and get involved and then you, you just kind of go from there. Yeah. Seems to be uh, the way it works. Yeah. Well, I, I know that once you put your mind to it, JT, it's it's going to work out. And the fact that you, you're getting on these airplanes and flying to these all-star games across the country, um, you know, that says a lot. A lot of guys that that show up at these places. I, I remember seeing Max Bully here, a guy that I covered at Michigan State, uh, fantastic All-American middle linebacker. And uh, after Max's career played a couple couple few years in the NFL, uh, you know, he was standing on the sideline at the Senior Bowl looking to shake hands and meet people. And the next thing I know, he's on Alabama's football staff. And gosh, did, I, did he go to Notre Dame from there or somewhere like that? He's at Notre Dame now. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, guys that dig deep and guys that love football and guys that have a passion for it, it's like they just they, they can't get away. I had somebody ask me about your um, your degrees. So what did you get your degree in at Georgia? And did, did you get another degree since we last saw you at Georgia? I got my uh, undergrad in psychology, and then I was in, I'm in technically still in the MBA program at Rice, just currently under leave of absence. If I'm a GA somewhere, you know, I'm uh, technically enrolled in a different school, so I, I did not have time to finish it anywhere else now. Right, but you got the undergraduate at Georgia, and uh, I guess we'll finish. We'll see that master's probably popped off on some list at some point uh, yep. when you stay when you, when you stay busy. How speaking of that, how does one sharpen um, coaching skills. Like, obviously you, you talk with other people, you've played the game, you've had the opportunity to work with four different staffs, which I've got to think is invaluable now that you're looking to get into this industry. Like, what do you do in your downtime when you're, I mean, it, it, how does JT Daniels watch football? How do I watch football specifically? Um, yeah. The only team that I watch consistently is Georgia, West Virginia, and USC. I don't watch, uh, I never enjoyed watching football on like the TV copy. Um, huge schematic fan of the game. Um, so I've always like, I wait till it's on breakdown on, uh, you know, our film server that we can use um, in terms of coaching and how you learn it. Uh, obviously there's an experience factor of doing it um, when it comes to like the study of and how you would advance that there'd be lanes under psychology, motor learning, biomechanics, schematics to game, um, some level of communications, uh, just a general study and understanding of, I'd say those five lanes would be essential to learning how to um, take a player, know the tech to teach them, know how to teach them and know how to implement it schematically. Um, so that's, uh, those are constant areas that I'm personally growing in. Um, and there's just going to be the experience factor of actually doing it and applying it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I don't know that I've ever heard it explained quite that scientific. I'm going to have to tape this and, and tell Coach Spurrier what I learned from JT. I see what see what the old ball coach has to say about the the scientific approach. I know it worked extremely well for you, JT, and I know that uh, Georgia fans are glad to see and hear from you. Obviously, you've been busy at other schools. Your career's moved right along, and and now as you move into coaching, I know you're going to have a lot of support uh, from your former teammates and and from the fans. And uh, want to thank you for coming on tonight. I know it's a uh, it's a kind of a unique thing to catch up with a player uh, from a couple of years ago, but this product that Kirby Smarts built involves so many different people. There's so many parts to the story. 
Uh, and certainly you were, you were a, a big part of that. I, I know that, uh, I know that I know how much you uh, enjoyed that and appreciated that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, man, thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk dogs. No doubt about it. JT Daniels, JT, thanks so much. I'll see you out there uh, at the practice field tomorrow at the senior bowl. And I'll try to keep notes on who's talking to JT and uh, who might be checking him out for a coaching job. So right now I want to take a break. I want to introduce our sponsor from Anytime Heating and Plumbing. When we come back, more Georgia football, a little Georgia basketball. And uh, thank you for JT Daniels. Yep, thank you. Anytime heating, cooling, and plumbing. Our family has been making sure Georgia fans and their families are comfortable for over 20 years. Let us do the same for yours. Anytime. Service, repairs, and replacement with trained systems. Our trained comfort specialists are carefully selected to visit your home and offer you a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Anytime offers an annual three-visit comfort plan starting at just $155. Visit AnytimeHVAC.com for details. Anytime. Large enough to take care of your heating, cooling, and plumbing, but small enough to care. Well, welcome back to the program. Mike Griffith here, and I uh, really appreciated JT Daniels coming on. Um, tried to ask a lot of questions in a short amount of time. Uh, JT down here, obviously, to meet with a lot of different people and talk a lot of football. Uh, an interesting career for JT at, uh, at Georgia. 7-0 as a starting quarterback. Um, had that most recent 400-yard gain. Won the bowl game against Cincinnati. I thought he really created some memories, but I think a lot of of what Georgia fans will take away is the support uh, and the kind of teammate that he was, um, you know, supporting Georgia, supporting Stetson uh, during the back-to-back -back championships run when he wasn't the starting quarterback. I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback stay that involved in that support of, of the other guy. And uh, I think that's going to go really far for JT. I think he's probably not going to have to wait very long. I know already there are offers for JT. I didn't want to get into that tonight, but uh, I think you heard JT shooting pretty high as far as where he hopes to work and the kind of players that he hopes to work with. Uh, certainly, this is a really special guy with a really interesting background. I remember when Cole Kubelik interviewed him, he told me JT was their favorite interview uh, on the SEC Network. And I think you got a, a, a bit, a piece why. When you talk to JT, uh, you almost feel like you're talking to a scientist, right? I, I mean, the way he breaks it down, uh, and when you do talk schemes with him, and I didn't get into that tonight, but when I visited with him before about football and the way he sees things, it, it's pretty incredible, right? I, I mean, a pretty elite football mind, um, an, an elite team player. Uh, can't say enough about JT. I certainly enjoyed covering his playing career. Uh, enjoy talking to him now, and you hear how much uh, he's going to be behind Georgia. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, going to be interesting to see how the players that JT came to support perform. This Luke McCaffrey, this guy's special. I'm not saying he's Christian McCaffrey, big brother with the 49ers. This guy's got some juice. There's a reason why JT chose to go to Rice. So I'm going to keep an eye on that Rice player. There's going to be eight guys here from Michigan. I just ran into Aaron McCann, a uh, writer for M Live that covers Michigan. And I'm thinking, what's he going to do? What's he doing here? Well, yeah, that's right. Michigan has eight guys here. So even though Georgia didn't get to play Michigan in the college football playoff, when they line up Saturday at the Senior Bowl at 2.30 p.m., there's going to be eight of those Wolverine-striped helmets on the other side of the ball against six of those Georgia helmets on this side of the ball here with the national team or the American team. Uh, so that's going to be pretty interesting. want to detour a little bit here. Georgia basketball. And, and, you know, there used to be a time 
when I would introduce Georgia basketball and people would say, I don't, you know, that's not, listen, what Mike White's team has done, the way these guys are scrapping and playing, and they lost the other day at Florida. Uh, they were down 21 points with 12 minutes and 52 seconds left. And they just went on this tear. And this player, R.J. Melendez, R.J. originally from Puerto Rico, played at Illinois for a couple of years, right? Um, flying, Fighting the line eye, Big Ten school. And it was about a week and a half ago we were interviewing R.J. Melendez. And I was asking him about the NCAA tournament. Because, because let's face it, that that is that is the gauge. You're either an NCAA tournament team or you're not. And Georgia wants to be an NCAA tournament team. That's why Josh Brooks went out and hired Mike White away from Florida. He wants Georgia. And that's why Georgia players are getting some NIL money. They're getting paid. They're not, it's not the Kentucky payroll. It's not even the Florida payroll, but, but the guys are, are compensated enough where they can be competitive. And you're seeing that momentum now, and you're seeing these guys play together. And it's Melendez. He scores 35 points. I mean, this guy was on fire. I haven't, See, well, I mean, Dalton Connect from Tennessee had a day like that against Georgia earlier this year. And I'm just thinking to myself, uh, if this guy can continue to drop these threes, drive to the basket, makes these dunks, I mean, maybe Georgia's found something here. They better hope they did. Because Wednesday night at 630, uh, a really good Alabama team, 6-1 and one in the league, is going to come in to Stegman Coliseum and, and stay. they got to get that place packed out. They made some seats for the students on the side court, so it's a lot more of an electric environment. But those early starts really challenged Georgia fans to get there and make a difference. Uh, Alabama just beat Auburn at home and uh, knocked off LSU by like 21. So that's a team that's streaking. That's a team that's projected to make the tournament, and yet it's a home court game. That's one Mike White's team really needs. And then they got South Carolina Saturday. So uh, this is a team that's really battled. They're, they're right outside the bubble right now. It looks like the SEC is probably going to get anywhere from seven to nine teams in the NCAA tournament. I think 7.5 would be my over-under. Georgia right now is, is right around nine. Okay, Florida's probably eight. South Carolina's probably seven. As things stand, Ole Miss is kind of in that picture six, right? So the, the dogs have their work cut out for them. They still have two games left against Auburn. That's a final four potential Bruce Pearl team. And they got to play them at Auburn and at home. So the schedule's not going to get any easier. There's challenges ahead. Really need this game on Wednesday night. If you are a Georgia fan and you live anywhere near Athens, you may want to be there. This This team is hot, right? And uh, what Mike White has done, mixing the veterans who I've said, these guys are on their second, third and final chance. The, the guys that are the veteran transfers, they've maybe transferred once, maybe transferred twice. Their, their next plane ticket after basketball season is probably overseas to play in Europe or Turkey or China. Um, you know, and, and obviously they all have their hoop dreams. But time's running out if they want to stay stateside and have any chance at the NBA. They got a couple guys who I think have that upside. Now, it would take special, right? It would take special, um, but I think it's in them. And, and that's what's been fun about watching them is they've gotten better and better and better as the season has progressed. And then you take those veteran guys, uh, the Russell Chishwa, the, the center, the 7-foot, 270-pound center. I mean, the way this big guy muscled up, uh, in the clutch in the final seconds against LSU and then double-doubled uh, against the Florida team with two seven-footers on the road. Um, this guy's got another gear he's hitting, right? We mentioned R.J. Melendez, Jabri Abdur-Rahim, 
Uh, you know, the way he's been shooting threes, last couple of games been a little off. Justin Hill uh, was quite the finisher earlier this year. Had an issue there at Florida, didn't finish well. But this is an electric guy, a lot of juice, right? These savvy veterans, Noah Thomason, one of the guys um, averaging uh, double-figure scoring. The savvy veterans mixed in with the freshmen, Silas Demery Jr. and Blue Kane. I mean, when's the last time you could go down and name six, seven, eight Georgia players off the top of your head? That's what this team does. The way they play is memorable. It's noteworthy. Now, their names may just blend in and disappear with all the other Georgia basketball players that tried but couldn't get over the hump. But right now, these guys believe, and I was saying this a second ago, Melendez said a week and a half ago, this is an NCAA tournament team. He believes in his teammates, and he said he believes in his coaches. And when he mentioned the coaches, that's when I knew that Mike White was onto something here. When players uh, initiate conversation about, I want to see what my coaches have for me to get better, that tells you how much teaching is going on. That tells you that, yes, that Josh Brooks hire is coming to fruition. Now, do they have the talent to make it? Remains to be seen. They've got to continue to get better. This week it was Melendez with 35, almost good enough to pull off that great up, upset. Uh, the center, Russell, with the big finish against LSU. they got to have different heroes, different times, and more of them, right? And it's it's still ahead. And it's going to be a great finish, I think, for Georgia basketball. Last year, remember last year's team started out well, lost their last six games. That's not going to happen this year. Right. I, I would I would almost guarantee these guys are going to at least win one game, if not two, at the SEC tournament. Who knows? Maybe more um, if everybody can stay healthy and the team keeps getting better. So I wanted to finish with that note. Um, I think Georgia basketball is definitely something worth our time talking about. NFL draft is coming up. Uh, you heard me talk about the players that are here uh, to recap. Cedric Van Pran not here. A surprise scratch, uh, a healthy scratch as far as I know. I've reached out to the family, haven't heard anything uh, about an injury. I don't think there's any reason for concern. I think Cedric just probably likes where he's at in the center pecking order right now and wants to get busy uh, working for the combine because he needs to improve. And again, this is all relative, but he needs to improve athletically. He's not going to win the beauty contest against those other centers. Now, he's fantastic. But we're talking about the three top centers in all of college football, and that's where he needs work. What he has done as a technician, what he has done as the quarterback at playing center, and his ability to go on the board, he's going to blow him away. He's amazing. Cedric Van Pran is amazing on the board when it comes to diagramming everything and directing traffic. He can do that, right? He's, his technical skills are great. He's got to work on athleticism. He's got to show improvement between end of the season and combine to be able to compete for that top center spot. He's either one, two, or three, uh, and that could mean a whole round. That could mean 30 to 40 picks. So he's busy doing that. Lad McConkey's here. Lad's got the juice. Lad's healthy. Lad's going to have a healthy week. Um, you know, he's going to go up against some of the best corners in college football. He's going to be hoping that Spencer Rattler and Milton can put it on him in these drills tomorrow. I'm going to be there with Kaylee Manziel. We're going to do a show tomorrow night on Dog Nation around this time where we're going to tell you everything that we saw at practice. Uh, Rosemary Jack Saint, you heard what JT said, said that he was picking ass. George Ask was the words he used. The ball skills that he had, uh, just abnormal, right? And we know how he blocks and fights on the perimeter. So I'm going to keep a close eye on MRJ and Lad McConkey on the perimeter. Uh, don't forget Tyke and Bullard. 
Those two safeties, those guys are ball hawks, right? Tyke likes to come up and pop you. I don't, I don't know how much – I don't think they do a lot of tackling until the ground until Saturday. But watch Tyke be on the spot. And, again, you can watch this on the NFL Network. You can watch these practices. And Georgia fans are, are, are football gurus. They love the game. And I've always loved the Senior Bowl because it is football in its bare essence. You see the drills. You see the one-on-one tackles against defensive ends. You see the linebackers coming in and one-on-one blitz pickup drills for the running backs. You see the skeleton drills where the quarterback goes out and you see, you know, four on four and who's going to get loose and make the plays. And you hear oohs and ahs when guys make catches, right? I mean, it is competition and like almost bare knuckle competition in football. The 11 on 11 doesn't happen until next Saturday, but the individual drill work, Right. That Georgia guy against that Michigan guy, they don't have all those teammates around him anymore. It's just one on one. And we're going to see how good you really are. How much of it was you versus the guys you were lined up around. And that's what makes the Senior Bowl so special. All those GMs, a thousand NFL coaches, GMs, assistants and coordinators. It's like a convention here. And uh, it's just an awesome event. Now, when I first started covering it, history lesson here, Griff's going old school. 30 years ago, when I worked at the Mobile Register for four years, my dream job, right? I was born in Mobile, Alabama. Always wanted to work in Mobile. Love the Senior Bowl. There'd be maybe five or six of us and 700 NFL people. I remember walking down the street going, hey, there's Pete Carroll and running up and just Talking to Pete Carroll, just walking along the street with Pete while he's eating ice cream, coming back from somewhere. I'm just talking football, you know, and then I'm at the YMCA and there's Jack Del Rio and we're playing pickup basketball, running into each other at the Y. I mean, that's how it was. Old school. Okay, enough, enough reminiscing. Now they got the security up and get these guys out of here. They got all the NFL guys on the field and uh, we'll be up. We'll be shooting video from the stands. And then right after practice, we're allowed to go on the field and flag these guys down. Hey, lad, over here. Uh, hey, Marcus, come on over here and talk to us. You know, Tyke, what was practice like? We get 10 or 15 minutes with these guys. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, they'll have a media day and be ready for anything because Kaylee's going to be here. Uh, she's going to have her camera, I have my camera. Uh, I know our, our partners at AJC.com got some folks down here. Uh, we're going to hit that thing full force at the media day on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we're going to close up shop. And go to that final practice and see, you know, what did we learn from each individual player? Uh, guys that aren't here, uh, Brock Bowers, right, still working on the ankle. He's working in, in uh, Dallas, uh, spoke with his parents. He, he's doing really well. Um, so Brock is still working on the ankle. He's going to be the best that he can be. You heard what JT said. He was running 22 miles an hour as a freshman coming in. Monk said, we got to use this guy. He's too good. Uh, Amarius Mims, another guy that had an ankle. Uh, I mean, my goodness, you, you've heard uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. says this guy's only started seven or eight games, and that's enough for him. He's projected first-round pick. Uh, Kamari Lasseter, another guy that could go in the first, kind of straddle in that first second. Kamari's workouts uh, at the Combine, that's going to be important, as will his, his interviews with the team. Most of the hay is in the barn, right? The guy's career says a lot, but the Senior Bowl, the NFL Combine, the individual uh, interviews, and, and just guys in general just kind of staying between the lines, right? Because this is a big evaluation time when these teams are looking at investing millions of dollars. And we've heard Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, a guy that was a scout for 20 years, uh, tell us, uh, you know, first, second, third round, they're trying to draft starters. 
they're they're drafting guys that they think can come in and start. So uh, that's the gauge. It'll be interesting to see how many dogs get drafted this year. I think I'd put the over under at, at uh, ten. I think you'll have at least ten guys drafted. I think you'll see ten or eleven guys at the NFL Combine. Of course, last year there were ten drafted. Uh, the year before there were fifteen. Uh, and the year before that there was nine. So Georgia's winning games on the field. Kirby's winning and recruiting, bringing them in. Kirby's winning in development, putting them into the NFL. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tonight's show. I want to thank you for watching. If you like the show, share it. Um, if you got something out of that interview, uh, if you have questions or comments, um, feel free to leave them. Uh, again, we're going to be doing a, a show tomorrow. Uh, I'll be doing a show with Kaylee Manziel from down here in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, uh, putting a wrap on things. I want to thank my producer, uh, Michael Carvel. Uh, thanks for getting us set up. Uh, with the Zoom shot tonight, bringing JT in, uh, no technical difficulties there. Uh, really enjoyed that. And uh, don't forget, every day, uh, 10 a.m., you have Dog Nation Daily with Brandon Adams. Brandon is back live programming this week. So Brandon's show, 10 a.m., Dog Nation Daily. Jeff Centel, uh, Wednesday night uh, before the Hedges, does a great job uh, as well. And again, special programming this week from the Senior Bowl. Uh, so I want to thank my sponsors, Ingles, Anytime Heating and Plumbing. Everybody have a safe and wonderful week.